Technus CEO has a serious whoops moment. There's all kinds of new drama at iHeart. The networks are doing a Charlie Brown Lucy football pull on their affiliates. Is that possible? And Hot Bits debuts here on Media Insultant. For the week of March 22nd, this is Media Insultant. Welcome to Media Insultant. We offer opinions on all things media, doesn't matter, radio, TV, digital, whatever. I'm Jackson Weaver. My lovely co-host is Keith Samuels. Why do I laugh when I say that? Sorry. <laughs> My lovely co-host, Keith Samuels, is right across the desk. Keith, what can I do for you this morning? Well, good morning, Jackson. It's the special uh, March Madness edition of uh, Media Insultant. And by the way, um, you know, would you mind going and get my car? Did you park it here? Do you have a ticket? Can I see the receipt? Where's my tip? <laughs> no, that's the lead into your big number one story of the week as we uh, as we surge our way through uh, the the final uh, first weekend of March Madness ending tonight. Hence, I'm wearing my uh, good luck hat for my Trojans against the Jayhawks of Kansas, and uh, you know it's Facebook and and Twitter and social media have been all about the upsets in the uh, in the tournament this weekend. So off we go. Well, I'm glad somebody on our team here at Media Insultants is a sports fan because it's it's not me. So but, so so did Doug David Lugi from Tegna really ask this guy that was going to be a board member to get his car, as in like at valet? Did that really happen? Well, apparently it did. Uh, David mm. uh, Lugi is the CEO of the famous Tegna group of television stations, third largest group in the country. And he was at a conference about uh, six years ago, and Lugi had, had been introduced and had an extensive conversation with this guy whose name is Adonis Hoffman. He's a well-known activist and communications lawyer in Washington, D.C. So he's, he's well-known around town, and he was at this conference. So as they uh, wrap up lunch and are leaving, I guess uh, David Lugi uh, turned to him at some point and said, uh, handing him the valet ticket, would you get my car, bring my car around? So <laughs> that oh. is a serious whoops. And so uh, Hoffman recently was nominated for the board seat on Tegna. And he decided to decline it, feeling that it would be uncomfortable. <laughs> and he might have been the first valet on the board, too. <laughs> so it's, I, I mean, I don't mean to, to, to laugh at the uncomfortableness. I actually... My wife and I discussed this last night, and I said, if I'd been Hoffman, I would have joined the board just to be in his face about it, but he didn't want to be uncomfortable, and Tegna right now is kind of in a in an interesting situation because Standard General is a firm that owns about 10% of the stock, and they've been aggressively trying to change the board membership mm -hmm. and trying to uh, either get Tegna to become a buyer and aggressively acquire more stations or sell the group off. And as you know, there's been a lot of buying and selling, lots of M&A activity on the, on the TV scenes. So when, when it's all said and done, what's the lesson that uh, should be learned out of this, Keith? Always be careful who you give your valet ticket to. <laughs> Don't make assumptions. You know, it's also interesting, too, because, you know, uh, you know TV is a whole different ballgame from radio, and it has traditionally been a good old boys club. And, you know, 
guys made a ton of dough in television and didn't have to work that hard at it. Um, you know, they were really good. They were slick. Um, you know, they, they knew how to, how to, how to find rating points and, and package up their, their, you know, uh, their, uh, their inventory. They also spend, you know, about 30% of their time, the third of their day is probably managing make goods as they, uh, as they didn't post, they didn't post the buy. They didn't get the number they promised to the buyers uh, and that's a big difference between television and radio is that television, you're selling an outcome of a rating and radio, you're selling an historical rating, but they post in television. Now they do in radio as well, but they really posted like crazy. And so you, you spend all your time doing that. In any case, there wasn't a lot of selling time. It was a lot of order taking and managing that, that, uh, that buy so that you, you delivered the points that were promised. So you spent most of your negotiating time asking for make goods from your sales manager, you know, can I, I need, I need to get, you know, I need an early news. You know, I need a 30 here and a 30 there crazy stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a different business, but it, it typically became kind of a sexist male dominated kind of old school, good old boy, you know, business. And I think that's coming back to bite a lot of these groups. Yeah. Ask any woman who's worked for the groups, they will tell you it is the ultimate old boy network. And it's a really hard environment for women, competent women, to get ahead. And as you and I both know, women make up more and more of the sales teams in radio and TV stations these days, because frankly, they're good at it. They're really good at it. And they're good at managing. But it's an old boy network. And uh, David Logie got, um, got caught in that one. That was, that was Ouch. awkward. <laughs> All right, uh, Town Square, the financials are in, and they are now claiming, Bill Wilson, the CEO, now claims that they are a digital-first company, which means that digital is representing at least half of their revenue in digital, and I'm confused. How are they claiming that? Well, it seems that they divide up their revenue into three different areas. Um, traditional radio, so ad, radio ad revenue is one, and then it gets a little confusing because they have digital, and then they also have an interactive pot as well. So there's three pots that digital and interactive are now bigger than the radio revenues, radio ad revenues. And part of that, or the biggest part of that is this giant monstrous organization in Charlotte, I believe, where they're, um, they, they, uh, they handle all the website design and maintenance for uh, small businesses that pay a monthly fee that it's a subscriber uh, a model, and they pay a monthly fee to Town Square Digital or whatever it's called. Uh, and that business is really a cash cow for him. He says, I don't know what, 30, 40% cash, you know, uh, profit on that. And so they have a, they have uh, telemarketers in that facility calling small businesses now in markets smaller than market 50. So they don't bump up against the big markets and the big boys too much. And uh, they go after the similar business profiles that they service in their small radio markets, or mostly small to medium radio markets. And that seems to be working for them. But I think when I picked out a number out of that release was the number, the, the amount of revenue that the radio stations, the pure radio station advertising model uh, generates $185 million a year. So the radio stations are billing in traditional advertising $185 million a year. They have 322 radio stations. So a quick math calculation, that means the average town square station billing is $574,534. That's not a lot of revenue annually for, uh, for, uh, you know, for, uh, a radio group. So I understand now that's $47,000 a station a month. You know, that's not a lot of billing. Now, 
there's a that's probably you know there's the 80 20 rule i'm sure that 80 percent of his billing comes from 20 percent of his radio station so that's not a fair number it's just to say that that's not a big number and i understand why it was so easy for digital to overcome overwhelm that number and become i'd be digital first if i had if i had that portfolio of stations there's just not enough market size and market revenue and advertising revenue going into those markets traditionally to have that be a big growth pot for them. So I get it. But, you know, they don't really want to talk about that. It's like, we can't build shit in our stations. So we're going to do digital for these markets because that's what people want. And that's where we can make a lot more money. And that's where we can provide a service that none of our competitors are doing in markets that size. So it's kind of a, a good and bad kind of look at, at where their business is. But hell, I'd be, I'd be digital first if I had stations like that too. Well, good for them. I, I think their pivot, which is we've talked about before, it's just taken years to get there, was really a smart investment and it's a slog. What they don't say is, yes, they have 30% margins on digital. They have 75% margins on radio. So, you know, incrementally, you've got to do a lot more digital business to make up for radio. But I admire the fact that they keep working at it. And as you said, they've got expanded to other areas outside of their markets. So, Good for them. We'll keep an we'll keep an eye on Town Square and and speaking of keeping an eye on, you know, the drama never can never ends at iHeart. I mean, you you would think that the biggest radio group in the in the country, there'd be no drama. There's a ton of drama. There's always drama. First of all, there were the big layoffs. There was a consolidation that was followed by the fact that they had to go into bankruptcy. Uh, then now Liberty starts buying debt and swapping it for cheap equity. And, and now the latest thing is this English company, Global, that wants to buy 49.99% of iHeart. And I, I got to give a disclaimer here. I, I don't understand their cap stack at all. I don't know how they put this company together after the bankruptcy. I don't know who's in charge of what, but I do know that, uh, that this is getting to be a real interesting, interesting drama. And the question is, uh, Malone's Liberty Media has, has bought a hunk of debt, converted it to equity, and now along comes this company, Global, which is a, a British company, which raises all kinds of FCC questions, but a British media company. So now they're, they're trying to buy 49.9% of iHeart, and in the process of all of this, the question has to become, at least to my way of thinking, is, is this a foil for Pittman? Did, did Pittman find a stalking horse to prevent the company from being absorbed by Malone and he's out of his $22 million a year gig? I, I mean, you know this company as well as anybody. What's your thought? Well, I think that uh, Bob is as surprised about this as probably you and I are. I don't know that this was actually something that, that you know, he went out to seek. The first purchase, the 8.9% or whatever they bought on the public markets, was a surprise to Bob and Rich, according to uh, Jerry Del Caliano, who's got better sources than I do on this. And, and in fact, um, he was stating today in his newsletter that there's been a conversation between the son of the owner of Global and, and Bob uh, that, yeah, we want to buy 49.9%. And, and Bob's going, I had no clue. I have no idea that's the case. So it's kind of like, who's Who's telling the truth? Where's right. this going? Right. Uh, yeah, you talk about drama. It's really interesting. Um, you know, and it may be that, uh, you know, Malone's going, well, you know, I really wasn't ready to buy this whole thing this year. And if these guys want to buy it, then 
I'm going to get bought out in the process and I'll get, I'll get, you know, I'll make my money back. Who, you know, who knows what's going to happen, but uh, it doesn't, a lot of financial doesn't. issues, but there's also governmental issues because foreign ownership uh, is a, is a really sensitive subject. It, you know, that, that amount was increased recently or allowed to increase primarily for the clear, for the iHeart deal where this goes. I don't know, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be quite the investment soap opera for the next few months. More drama for us to talk about on Media Insultant. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, while we, we were talking about uh, David Logie at uh, Tegna and now Bob Pittman at iHeart, the difference in their compensation raises a great question. Pittman makes about $22 million a year, cash and stock options and stock bonuses and that kind of thing. Logie makes about $5.5 million a year. So the question is, would you rather be CEO of a profitable TV company or a debt-ridden radio company, and make four times as much money. <laughs> That's oh, my I'm question. just an I'm just an old greedy capitalist. I'm going for the 22 mil. Don't forget, they also pay for his plane. That's right. That's so, right. I'm not. That may be included in the comp. I, I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. He, you know, tail, always, tail, num, tail number N five VJ. It is, yeah, so it's you know it's named after the video jocks on MTV or whatever it is. But no, I didn't I didn't know that. That's yeah, cool. you know because Bob's a pilot. You know he he flies his own jet, which is pretty cool. And but uh, in any case, uh, yeah, I would. Bob's going to do fine. Bob will always be fine. Uh, I'm is. more worried about uh, David than Bob. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, I'd agree with that. Okay. So the fascinating thing: the NFL now signed a new 11 year agreement for television rights. And there's some changes, nothing really radical. I mean, the biggest change probably would be, what do you think, Amazon taking over Thursday night? Yeah, well, yeah, getting a, getting a streaming service as nose in the tent is a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, you know, but the interesting thing is, is in addition to Amazon getting into the tent, the networks have gotten into the streaming tent too. You know, CBS is going to add some games to Paramount+. Plus. Uh, ESPN streaming is going to pick up some games from ABC. Peacock will pick some up from N- uh, from NBC. Fox will even stream a little on Tubi. All of these are ad-supported streaming networks. And so this is really a big breakthrough in a lot of ways, So kind of a big-time breakthrough for streaming, I think. Well, uh, and I think, you know, what's different, though, about the Amazon deal is that Amazon doesn't have a terrestrial linear distribution channel. Right. So it's going to be a pure play stream. I guess through Amazon Prime, where the the networks will carry it on both. So it's just another way to get that audience. So um, they're you know that 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 that'll broaden their reach a bit, and they allow them to maybe play the data game a little bit too. Um, so yeah, it's just a it's just a, a sign of the times where we've got all these. Uh, heck, if if it had lasted, we might have seen a Quibi you know, version of, uh, of NFL, you know, where they, they, they just show the two minutes of action every half on a, on a Quibi video, but uh, they didn't make it across the line. So it'll be interesting to see, but it, it is, it's a hundred billion dollars in total rights to be paid to the, to the, uh, to the league. And considering how their revenue took a dramatic hit this last year, um, which caused all this mayhem and still is in the free agent market, that this is a big boost for the league for sure. And a long-term boost. This is like 11 years out deal for Fox and some of the other ones. So it's a big, big long-term deal. It is. And the interesting thing also about this is that the uh, deal really emasculates the local affiliates in so many ways, because the local affiliates have long been saying, 
Our niche is we do live programming. So we do live news. We do live sports. You can't get sports anywhere else. You can't get NFL. You can't get the Super Bowl. And that's that's claims going away. And the, I think the networks are just throwing their affiliates under the bus and saying, sorry, but uh, the streaming is going to, because you know as well as I do, the streaming is going to pick up over the years and become a larger and larger percentage of the viewing. And the local TV stations, in all likelihood, will have very little uh, ability to control much of that. They may get some, some programmatic spots in it, but probably not a lot. Yeah, well, if, and if I'm a local affiliate, I'm, I'm finding out, however I can, how many Paramount Plus, uh, you know, uh, Hulu, I'm finding about any, but all these, you know, in, in Prime, how many of those subscribers are in my market? So my pitch is going to be to the local buyers is go, yeah, you know, we've got 55 subscribers to Tubi in our town. So buy it, you know, so if you're thinking that's the buy, it's not the buy. There's, those are going to be much smaller numbers than cable subscribers in the markets for the next five years, at least, you know, they're not going to overwhelm that. So I'd be out, I'd be out going, I got to get those numbers. I got to get so granular that I can go to my regional buyers and some of my national buyers, but certainly my local buyers, my car dealers and all those, the car, you know, the auto associations, you know, the tier two dollars and go, guys, guys, there's 28 subscribers to this one. There's a hundred subscribers to that one. And there's 14 subscribers to that one in Spokane. Okay. So, you know, don't think that's the answer. Let's buy my package, buy my games and we're good to go. Right. And then, you know, uh, and then you last for a few more years. Well, I also would give them, uh, you know, give, we haven't seen all the details, but it's also feasible that the networks will say to the local affiliates, look, we'll give you some local inventory in these streaming services. So we haven't seen that one way or the other, but you know, and, when can, the they, can, and can they do local inventory in these local in that? I'm not sure how, how easy that's done these days. I you think you could, I think you, okay. I think it's very feasible, but we don't know the details on that. But I think at, at the end of the day, the networks always watch out for themselves and their distribution on linear over the air television is less and less important to them as, as the years go on, in my opinion. Okay, hot hits. I guess we'll call them hot hits, hot bits, quickies. You want you, you you go and I'll I'll pound in whenever I want to. Okay. Okay. Uh, number one on the list: SBS Spanish Broadcasting System signs big contract with Nielsen. That's because they're big into their network now. And if you don't have Nielsen numbers for your network, you don't get a network cent. Well, and also, I think uh, Nielsen is cutting deals and being very big about it to make sure that everybody knows there's still the currency. Uh, iHeart gives Paul Rogers another market to manage down in Jacksonville. Uh, yeah, and I bet it's for no more pay, or he gets 50 bucks more a month. Paul was the manager for, for, uh, uh, for uh, Tallahassee and uh, Fort Walton Beach. I mean, he's, he's, he's down in the, he's in the panhandle of Florida. And they moved the manager from Jacksonville to a big national diversity sales job and probably well-deserved because she's had a pretty good career with, with iHeart. And then, hey, who do we have replace her? Oh, well, there's Paul. He's just down the road in Tallahassee and, and uh, the Panhandle. It's all right along I-90, I mean, I-10. And, uh, you know, hey, it's an easy drive. So, hey, Paul, what do you say? Hey, bud. How hard can it be? And <laughs> just yeah. add a couple more yeah. markets. <laughs> what am I going to get now? Well, you get a, you know, gas money. Yeah. 
Okay, CNN finally now has admitted or finally is uh, dropping their feed to airports on the 31st of March. Why? Well, and thank goodness. <laughs> it's been a big annoyance for a lot of people. But I think they're dropping it for cost savings because, you know, they pay every one of those airports that you see CNN in and they pay for. They pay that airport. It's a big Big loss of revenue for your uh, local airport. You know, SeaTac's going to get crushed probably for probably a quarter of a million bucks that they get paid. So CNN pays their way into these airports and they usually pay for the monitors. They bought those TVs for the airports and they run their stuff. But uh, I think it's a, a big cost cutting measure. You think it's another reason. Well, I think that there's no audience anymore. I think mobile phones and uh, iPads have totally replaced the you know, television monitor on in a in a waiting area. And so there's no, you can't sell the audience. That's, that's my thought. KGA has uh, one of the legendary radio stations in Spokane. Uh, they are uh, dropping hip hop to go all sports. They have a translator and become Fox sports 600th affiliate. Does sports make any sense in small markets? Well, sure it does because it's, it's no cost, you know, I mean, it, they give up a few spots, but, you know, in this case, uh, they had a station that was running. I guess KGA was a combo of hip-hop and sports. And they now it's just going all sports. It, yeah. yeah, now it's just going all sports, which tells me is that we're not making a lot of money on this deal. In fact, we're losing money running this stuff. Let's just go all sports and blows out all the, the air staff. Um, and now it's, uh, it's, a, it's a freebie. And it just happens to be amazingly coincidental that it's the 600th affiliate for Fox Sports Radio, which is interesting because it's a big competitor, uh, you know, ESPN, probably a similar number of affiliates. And then down you go to uh, CBS Sports Radio and, um, and then down to now uh, Sports Map Radio with probably a 80 to 100 affiliates. It, it falls off the table pretty quick. Pretty rapidly, yeah. Uh, Byron Allen threatens legal action against ad agencies. Byron Allen has a group of television stations, minority-owned television stations. I think he's about the 12th or 15th largest group in the country. And he's really doing some saber-rattling. He's demanding 2% of their television ad budgets go to minority-owned stations. What think ye about that? Well, he was more specific than minority-owned. He said black-owned stations. And since he's the only, I think, the only black owner of television stations, uh, <laughs> it, that, that's going to his market. <laughs> so it's like, hey, why not ask for five? You know, why stop with there? You know, Byron's built up. Uh, he also owns the Weather Channel. Uh, you know, he's got a pretty, pretty, pretty big company, but he's, he's running up against uh, a, a group of buyers now who, are, who probably can't find enough outlets for uh, – budgets targeting the African-American black audience. So uh, I think, I think, I I think he'll get the budget without having to sue, but he's threatening legal action. Yeah. I think he runs into another problem too. And that is that, you know, a a lot of his stations are minor networks, CW and uh, those, those kind of affiliations. And so how much money can you throw at it against a market cost per point or cost per thousand goal? You know, when, when the market is priced at that, you know, there's only so much money you can throw at it. So I think what he's asking is a little bit unreasonable and is really very self-serving. As you said, he's one of the few minority owners, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. And one final note, Babbel is the number three advertiser in radio. I think that's amazing. What's the story behind that? You know, the January, February report from Media Monitors came out, and and, uh, I think Procter & Gamble was the number one 
radio advertiser in America in those two months. And then number two was Bank of America. And number three was Babbel. The first two, I paid cash for their advertising. Okay. Now this is based on the number of commercials. So it's, you know, uh, January and February, there's a lot of open inventory on a lot of radio stations and these are probably network and national buys, but at least it was, there was some currency involved. Babbel is a straight direct response advertiser. And, and that means that they get, Babbel pays you as a station. If you generate a response to whether, whether it's the website or to a one 800 number or whatever, the only way you get paid for that spot or for any spot is that you created a response that they can measure through a phone response or a, a, a website visit with a code, you know, all that kind of thing. Babbel didn't pay a dime for any of those spots. Okay. And they, they ran almost 3 million spots, direct response across lots of radio platforms, probably mostly network. While they might be the third largest advertiser, you know, there's a lot of sales managers going or sitting around going, yeah, I got 50 bucks for that one. Yeah, I ran 300 spots and I got $28, you know. If, if they're lucky, because I think most of it's network and none of that revenue or very little of that revenue flows to radio stations much anymore. You know, network compensation went out the window a few years ago. So, well, and the, and the network guys are actually going out and pitching those direct response agencies because they have like so much inventory. Like, yeah. Like strategic media and, and that does the babble buy. Um, and there's a handful of shops outside New York that are just, that's what you do. And you're pleased to be able to get free spots to run because you've got inventory to fill and you hope that you can get something for it. Right. So these guys have those network guys by the you know what, and uh, and Babbel comes out in this example on it. Uh, there's others on there sometimes that you'll see recruitment websites. I don't think I don't know if Indeed is one, but ZipRecruiter is direct Zip Recruiter. response. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of other ones that um, you know that you hear all the time that are direct response. Yeah, and very few of them are the standard bias package kind of clients. Yeah, right. very true. Well, all right. Speaking of Babel, uh, I don't know if, if everything we've said today has to be interpreted, but I think uh, we've babbled enough here on Media Insultant. And I think uh, as much fun as we've had, we probably ought to do it again next week. What do you think? Well, I, you know, we, there's always more Ed Stoltz in the news. Uh, you know, he's appealing to the Ninth Circuit, so we can talk more about that next week and see how he does. Oh, that'll be great. There should be some real theatrics on that. And uh, I'm hoping the uh, judge has some firm words that he can, she can pass on or he can pass on to Ed Stoltz. That, that's always entertaining when you get chewed up by a judge. Keith, thank you so much. I'll see you next week. Jackson, it's always great to visit with you. All the best and, um, and uh, you know, go Trojans. Go Trojans.